Um, we're in a series and we're concluding it. The series is called The Power of the Tongue. And we are concluding our series with part eight today. And um, before we do, you know, and I think it was on my announcements as well. Um, there's so many different ways to listen um, to our services. Um, it was up maybe earlier, but there's YouTube, Facebook, there's CDs at the back. And um, I want to go over the, the sermons we've already done. We've already done, show me up there, uh, having a tongue of faith, peace, thanksgiving, blessing, self-prophecy, self-encouragement. We all need that. And uh, last week we did a tongue of prayer. And we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we talked about praying in tongues. And so get that CD if you want to. And you know, it's so interesting to me, whenever in the New Testament, in the Acts, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, the very first thing that happened was God touched their mouth. Isn't that just amazing? Well, I mean, I'm showing you how important it is, the words we speak and what comes out of our mouth and out of our heart, you know, comes from our mouth. And the very first thing that happens when you're baptized, not when you're saved, but when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, first thing that happens is he touches your mouth. Touch your mouth. That's so interesting to me. So I want to balance out the entire series with today's final sermon. Okay, so The whole thing's going to come into balance through this. Uh, in part eight, I want to talk to you about having a tongue of positivity. A tongue of positivity. Now listen, you can pray in tongues all day long. You can be Mr. or Miss Super Christian. You can quote scripture. You can worship with your hands in the air. But listen real close. If you are a negative person, nobody's going to ever follow you to Jesus. If you're negative, I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you, I don't care how much scripture you know. If you are negative, people will not like you. Uh, your relatives may love you, but they will not like you if you're a negative person. You will never influence the kingdom of God if you're negative. And the kingdom of God is people, which means you will never influence people if you are a negative person. There is nothing at all negative about God. Nothing at all. Think about this. Whenever you sin, whenever you sin against him, you know what he does? He says, there's no condemnation. No condemnation. Get up and go forward. But God, I feel so bad. Okay, no condemnation. Get up and go forward. Whenever um, something bad happens to you or you have a problem, the Bible says you go to his throne to receive help in time of need. You got a problem? I'll give you a solution. Whenever somebody hurts you, you know what God says? God says, oh, this is a great time to forgive and show mercy. Forgive them and go forward in life. Everything about God is positive. Everything about God is forward focused. So anytime you are negative, acting, thinking, or speaking, you're going against the flow of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in your life. One translation of Colossians 3, 2 says this, set your minds and keep them set on the positive things, on the positive things. Do you know it takes longer to fly from South Carolina to California as it does from California to South Carolina? And the reason is, is because something called the jet stream It's this massive flow of air that is always blowing from west to east. So anytime we're in South Carolina and we're flying to California, it's going to take a lot longer than it is for them to fly here because you're going against this flow of air. The ride's going to be bumpy. It's going to be rough. You may eventually get to California, but it's not going to be very smooth. But now if you're over there on the west side and you're coming east, it's much quicker. It flows a lot better because you're going with the flow of this massive air jet stream, okay? Anytime in life we're negative, it's like we're going against this massive air jet stream because it's everything opposite of who God is and what God wants and what God says. So stop being negative. Amen? Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, stop being negative. <laughs> Some of y'all been waiting for years to say that to that person and you are so thankful you came in church today to say that. In fact, some of you are thinking, I wish I'd sat beside so-and-so today. <laughs> 
I wish I'm a, I wish my husband was sitting next to me today. I could really like that. Okay, so three points, and I'm going to help you big time. Number one is this. A negative mouth equals a negative life. If your life is negative and there's things that are going wrong, listen real close. It's because of your mouth. Because everybody has something going wrong in life, but you just choose to always verbalize the negative. If this black cloud's following you around somewhere, and listen, if I wanted to be spiritual, I could say, you're not speaking words of faith, and you need to have a faith-filled mouth, but I'm trying to break it down in a balanced way and just tell you, don't be negative. Be a positive person. In Numbers chapter 13, the Israelites were right there at the promised land, and God told them to go in there and fight, and you can have it. But Moses, their leader, was a very high C personality, and so he didn't want to go in right away. He wanted to send in 12 spies to spy out the land and come back and give a report. So the 12 spies came back. Okay, there were 12. Everybody say 12. There were 2 million people, and he chose 12. When the 12 came back, two of them had a different report than the other 10. Okay, Joshua and Caleb in verse 30 said this, let us take the land. We are well able to conquer it. Okay, that's the two optimistic spies. The other 10 spies said this in verse 31. Those guys are giants. They are giants. We're not strong enough to attack them. They're more powerful than we are. Now, here's the thing about negative people. Negative people always say this. um, I'm the only one that sees the problem. And if I don't mention this problem, we're going to have more problems. I have to verbalize this problem because nobody else sees it except for me. That's a lie. Everybody saw the same thing. All 12 spies, all of them saw the giants. They also saw uh, a land flowing with milk and honey. They also saw God deliver them from Pharaoh and the Egyptian army and the supernatural plagues. They all saw the same exact scene, the same thing, yet two were optimistic and ten were pessimistic. And here's the thing. It's okay to bring a problem to life, to somebody, to your marriage, to work. Always bring a solution. The most negative people are people that bring problems with no solution. No, your boss will never promote you if you're a person that brings up problems without solutions. God will never promote you if you bring up problems without solutions. Negative people, for your notes, negative people focus on problems. Positive people focus on solutions. Let me say it in a more spiritual way for those of you that are spiritual. Um, Negative people focus on giants. And positive people always focus on God. Um, we got to be problem solvers. And, and when, you're, when your spouse comes in from work, that's not the time to give them a problem, okay? They, they come in from work and say, little Johnny got in trouble at school. You forgot to send the rent check. Dinner's on this, that, They don't want to hear that. They'll turn. In fact, if your spouse would rather go to work than be home with you, there's a good chance, maybe not, there's a good chance you're a negative person. And it's because every time they walk in the door, you bombard them with all the problems. Before you go to bed at night, let me tell you about all the problems. That's not the time to give problems to somebody. My, my, my 12-year-old daughter, Sayla, she can tell me all the problems. That's easy. Anybody can do that. Anybody can talk about the problems. My, my 12-year-old can say, Daddy, the church is on fire. Well, thank you, Sayla. I'm so glad you told me the church is on fire. I would not have known if you hadn't told me that. Like, I don't see it. I need someone to say, John Paul, the church is on fire. I've already exited everybody out the three main exits. We've called the fire department and the insurance company will be here tomorrow. That's what I want them to say. And people like that always get promoted in life. Okay? So two were pessimistic, were optimistic. The other 10 were pessimistic. Here's what God said. Here's what God said in verse 32. The Israelites brought back and what's that word? Evil. Evil report. Now, when we think evil, we think of rapists, murderers, 
thieves, and God said to his people, um, the report they brought back that was negative, and you're going you're gonna to need to remember that word evil for the next two points, okay? An evil report. How can God say because something's negative, something's evil? Here's why. Because it's the opposite of what God said, and God is the opposite of evil. So anytime you go opposing to God, anytime you're a problem giver without a problem solver, it is always considered an evil report. And your future is determined by which report you believe and which report you bring in. You know that the 10 spies, they, they, when they gave their negative report, the 2 million people did not listen to Joshua and Caleb. The 2 million people believed and listened to the negative report. You know why? Because negative reports travel like wildfire. If you don't believe me, turn on the news. Turn on the news. And, and I'll tell you, I'll add to the sermon too. I don't know a single positive person that listens to the news every day. I've not, not one of y'all in this room who listen to the news every day is a positive person. Because that stuff's getting inside of your soul, man. And if you don't believe it affects you, two million people died in the wilderness because they turned on the news. Because I, I won't mention any news channels. I came this close to saying which news channel they listened to. But I didn't do it because I'm a godly pastor on Sunday morning. And so... Um, <laughs> but, but the 10, they didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb. They listened to the negative report. And, and that also tells me this, your future is determined by who you listen to. Not only the report you give, but your future is determined by who you allow to speak into your life. And you're allowing this, this news person or this friend or this relative to speak into your life because you've known them for a long time or they've helped raise you or whatever the case is and you let them speak that into you, I'm telling you, your destiny can be ruined by one negative person. You know, one bad apple, um, it actually can cause the apples around it to spoil six times quicker than if they were just on their own, okay? If one bad apple can spoil the bunch, you know, like they say, um, 10 bad apples spoil 2 million people's lives. 2 million people. I heard about this um, positive farmer and this negative farmer they would hang out every now and then. And whenever the rain would come, the positive farmer would say, Lord, thank you for the rain. You're watering our crops. And the negative farmer would say, well, if it keeps up, it's going to flood everything and we're going to lose it all. When the sun would come out, the positive farmer said, Lord, thank you for the vitamins and minerals that our crops need by your son. The negative farmer would say, if it keeps up, it's going to scorch everything we have. Well, one day they decided to go bird hunting together and the positive farmer just bought him this brand new bird dog. I mean, this was the most expensive dog he's ever bought. It was like a miracle dog from heaven. It was amazing. And so he could not wait to show off his new bird dog to his negative farmer friend. And so they were in the boat one day on the lake and some ducks came by and, you know, they shot them down. And when the duck hit the water, the positive farmer looked at the negative farmer and said, watch this. Sick him, boy. And that dog jumped out of the boat miraculously the dog ran on top of the water all the way to the bird picked it up ran on top of the water all the way back dropped the bird inside the boat man that positive farmer was smiling from ear to ear he said so what'd you think about that that negative farmer said i knew it you spent money on a dog that can't even swim because <laughs> some people are just negative no matter what's in front of them right Okay, James 3, 9 through 12 says this. Um, with our tongue, we praise our Lord, and with it we curse. This is amazing. I want you to see something. Out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. This should not be. We have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our respect for God. 
and what you post on Facebook, by the way, as well. Can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a sweet fig tree produce bitter olives, nor can salt water produce fresh water? Here's what it's saying. It's contrastingly unnatural. It goes against nature. It goes against the very nature we live in. Uh, a spring does not produce bitter and fr- it doesn't produce fresh water and salt water. No, but yet the tongue, the tongue is so powerful. It can do good and bad. It can do evil and holy things. It can be positive and it can be negative. It is completely contrastingly unnatural. Nature doesn't even do that. That's amazing. So I want to give you a quick analogy to help you see. And so I'll use Wesley. Is that I didn't ask you before service? Can I use you real quick? Come on up here. I promise you, I promise you, this is a clean toothbrush. I promise it's brand new. It's brand new. I want you to brush your teeth with it real quick and let everybody see. Keep going. Yeah, you're doing good. Two minutes is what the dentist says. Okay, that's good. You did good. Okay, give me back. Okay, did everybody see him put this inside of his mouth? Okay, you can sit down. You did good. I promise. Okay, how would y'all feel if I put this inside of my mouth right now? Would that be something you'd okay with me doing or would that be something you would not want me to do? Like, what if I... Did you have a chai tea latte from Starbucks before church? I'm just kidding. Okay, is that cool or is that, is that nasty? Okay, well, let me just tell you, I have two toothbrushes up here and I'm supposed to okay? So, if I come down. But here's the point I want to make, okay? I'm not that, <laughs> I love Wesley so much and I wouldn't mind it if, you know, if we were like on a camp and, I mean, maybe I wouldn't mind. Anyway, okay, so, so here's the point is this. If I wouldn't share my toothbrush with my friend, then why would you share your mouth with Satan? Because on Sunday mornings, we give God our mouth. Oh, God, I love you. You're so amazing. And then Monday through Saturday, we say, okay, here, Satan, use my toothbrush. Use my tongue, okay? We wouldn't do that, would we? No, that's nasty. Y'all aren't going to listen to nothing else I say the rest of the sermon. You're thinking about, I hope he switched it the right way. I did. Okay, point number two is this. A negative heart equals a negative mouth. Okay, if, if... If a negative mouth equals a negative life, in other words, we have a negative life because we have a negative mouth. The reason we have a negative mouth is because we have a negative heart. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because a lot of people think that they're negative because of what's around them. They think they're negative because they've been through negative things and negative circumstances are happening in life. That's not why they're negative. Matthew 12, 35 says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Now remember the word evil earlier was negative. Watch this. And the evil man, because when you read this, you think, oh, murderers and rapists, that's who we're talking about. No, no, no. The evil man out of his, let's say this, negative heart always brings out negative or evil things. The reason people are negative, listen, is because they've allowed negative things to get on the inside. When someone hurt them, instead of forgiving and saying, Lord, I don't know why they did it, but I'm trusting you to make it up to me. And Lord, I forgive that person. And I have to say it every single day. But, they, but Lord, I'm giving it to you. Instead of doing that, they think this. You know what? I can't believe what they did to me. And they tell three people. And once they say it, those negative things whoosh, get back inside their heart. They're, they're actually putting it back inside of their heart instead of giving it to God. When they get through a difficult time in life, instead of trusting God, Lord, I trust you. They dwell on it. They think about it. They speak about it. Whoosh, and it gets back inside of their heart. And if it's inside of your heart, it's always going to come out. That's why we must always take care of our heart. Um, there's this couple who moved into a, a new house. And they decided to you know, eat breakfast together over the little breakfast nook. And when they looked out the window at their neighbors, the wife saw the, the, the lady next door hanging up clothes on a clothesline. A clothesline, for those of you who don't know what that is. Um, 
all the people in here with gray hair did not have dryers when they were your age. And so they would hang their clothes out on a string for everyone to see outside, including their undies and everything else. Just weird, but they did it. Instead of hanging it up inside the house, they hang it up outside. That's what a clothesline is. So she's looking at her neighbor and says, honey, 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 the neighbor, look how nasty their clothes are. I can't believe that she leaves those stains all over her family's clothes. And the next day, her and her husband, they have breakfast together, same thing. She looks out the window, honey, she's doing it again. She's hanging up nasty, dirty clothes on the clothesline. What kind of woman does this to her family? Next day, they're eating breakfast, same thing. Honey, I'm going to have to show her how to wash clothes. This is just so embarrassing. I can't believe she would do that. The next day, she looks out and says, honey, honey, I can't believe it. The clothes are perfect. They're, they're completely white. There's no stains. Someone must have taught her how to wash her family's clothes. The husband said, I got up early this morning and I cleaned our window. <laughs> how dirty your mouth is depends on how clean your window is. Because we all look at things and say things through the filter of our own heart. It's not from anyone else. It's not from around us. It's always from what's inside of us. Titus 1.15 says this, to the pure in heart, all things are pure. When your heart is clean, when your heart, when you, when, you, when you trust God, when you pray the right kind of prayers, biblical prayers, it cleans your window in life. And I promise you, your mouth will be so much cleaner as well. I, I, I've told you all before, and I always use this as an example when I'm talking about stuff like this, about my nana and my grandma. I was the first grandchild on both sides of the family. And so I had the privilege of having all four grandparents um, most of my life. In fact, my nana is the only one left. She's in her 90s. She lives in Darlington. We, we talk every day. Um, but my nana and papa, they kind of helped raise me. My grandma and granddad on my dad's side of the family, they were millionaires and they gave millions of money and you know, dollars to m missions and churches and all. But my grandma was always negative. And my nana was always very positive. All growing up, it was like this. All growing up. Um, I remember in, when I was 22 years old, I bought my, second, I bought my first house at 20. And then I, I sold it for a lot more money. And I bought a five-bedroom house at 22 years old. I was so excited. So I bring my whole family over for a barbecue. Everyone's there. And when my grandma walks in the house, the first thing she says is, John Paul, this house is too big. You'll never be able to afford the electric bill in a house like this. When my nana walked in the house, I said, John Paul, God has blessed you so much. You're going to make so many great memories in this home. Um, a few years went by, I started having more kids and more kids. When we were pregnant with our fifth child, I'll never forget, my grandma said, I can't believe you're having a fifth child. Nobody can parent five children. That is a horrible mistake. My nana called me up and said, John Paul, I heard the good news. I'm going to have five great grandchildren to enjoy in my life. It was like that my whole life. If my grandma were here today, she'd say, I can't believe all these people. I can't sit where I want to sit, who I want to sit with. My nana would say, honey, I'll sit on the floor if it means just being able to enjoy the service. My grandma, she'd say, I can't believe y'all don't let me bring coffee in this room. I've been bringing coffee in here for two years and you're changing on me just like that. My nana would say, I'm going to get to church early and sit in the fellowship hall with my church family and enjoy my cup of coffee. Now listen real close. Who do you think I spent more time with growing up? My nana. Now, I love them both, but I liked my nana. Anytime I needed prayer, I called my nana. Anytime I needed encouragement, I called my nana. They both loved God. They both loved God. But because she was a woman who was always positive, I was drawn to her. Let me ask you another question. 
Who do you think influenced more people in the kingdom of God? My million dollar giving grandparents or my positive nana? My nana. People followed her to Jesus year after year after year. My grandma never led anybody to the Lord. She was a giver. She was a good woman. She cooked for us. You know, I love her. But I did not like her at all. All because of what came out of their mouth. In Proverbs 30, 32, it says, If you thought evil, lay your hand on your mouth. Notice, if you think anything negative, lay your hand on your mouth. Lay your hand on your mouth. Now, I remember asking my dad one day, Dad, why is Grandma so negative? And off the cuff, he just gave me a He said, you know what, John Paul? She was um, raised in the Great Depression. So that was very difficult on her. He said um, when she was a little girl, she had to drop out of school and work to help provide for her family. Then he said, um, he said, my dad, which is my granddad, he said, you know, your granddad was not a good husband to her until he got saved. And I heard that. And guess what? You know, my nana had the exact same circumstances, exact same. Um, she was raised in the Great Depression. Uh, her husband was not a good man until he got saved many years later. She had to drop out of school and work to help provide for her family. Same circumstances, but one allowed each negative event in her life to get on the inside of her heart. The other one just kept giving it to God over and over and over again, and she kept her heart clean. Uh, Psalms 141.4 says, Lord, place a guard in my mouth. So that my heart does not sin. In Genesis chapter 35, um, Jacob's wife, Rachel, was pregnant with their second child. And Rachel is about to go deliver this baby. And there was a bunch of complications going on. It says in Genesis 35, 16, Rachel suffered hard, hard labor. Now, it's so funny when I read this. I have five kids, you know. And um, the Bible does not exaggerate. It is it's completely perfect. It'd be one thing if it said, <clears throat> Rachel suffered labor. And we'd be like, oh man, that must have been bad. No epidural thousands of years ago. You know, that kind of, no nurses. No, no, listen. It says she suffered hard, hard labor. Let me tell you, she was in pain. She was in horrible pain. It got so bad, she actually died while she's given birth to their second child. In verse 18, it says, Rachel was at the point of death, but with her last breath she named her son Benoni son of my pain and sorrow you know what she just did she just spoke to her child not based on anything that child ever did she spoke to her child based on something that happened to her and you know, a lot of the people in your life that they, they love you and they're in your life with their relatives or friends or whatever it is um the reason they're negative toward you and you have to believe this has nothing to do with you it has nothing to do with you in other words you can't fix them you can't make it better for them. If you suck up to them enough or give them enough money or if, you're, if you visit them enough or whatever it is, it's not going to turn them from a negative person to a positive person. The reason they're negative toward you is because of something that's happened to them on the outside that they allowed to get on the inside of their heart. And so she's calling her son. And this boy has done nothing wrong. He's an innocent little baby. And now so she's dead. She named her son Sorrow. So the rest of his life he's going to be thinking, what happened to me? What's wrong with me that my parents would call me a sorrowful child? And so Jacob comes rushing in the room. The midwife hands the baby to Jacob. She says, here's your son, Benoni, son of pain, son of sorrow. And in verse 18, something inside of Jacob said, you know what? That is not his name. He's not going to go the rest of his life as a son of sorrow. It says, but his father, Jacob, named him Benjamin, son of good fortune. You know what? Benjamin grew up and he had good fortune, good fortune, and he actually became a great leader 
in life and in the body of Christ. And here's why God did that. God knew one negative comment could forever change his destiny and cause him to not become the man that God created him to be. One negative comment. Now, this tells me a few things. Just something this tells me is this. Um, if your spouse is negative, do not stoop down to their level. Your children need you to be a positive influence in their life. And if you're split from somebody, there's a divorce or whatever the case is, and that other parent's speaking negative things over about you to the kids, don't stoop to their level. The minute you stoop to their level and say it, it's gotten inside of your heart, and now you're at the same place they are. You never let your children ever hear you say anything negative about their parent. No matter what that parent says to you, they need, your children need at least one person to say, you're a son of good fortune. You're going to grow up and do great things. You're a great leader. God has his hand on your life. You're going to do amazing. God's going to be with you everywhere you go. And don't let what anyone else says ever deter you away from the things of God. You have to be the one to speak the right things. Yeah. Otherwise, it gets in your heart. And then once you say it, guess what? It gets in your children's heart. Yes. And then they grow up with a negative heart in life. So... The final point for the sermon is actually the conclusion of the whole series, okay? The whole series is based on this one point, okay? Point number three is this. Guard your heart. Yeah. Yeah. So I've taught you for eight weeks that if it's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth, right? For eight weeks, everything that comes, the, the way we, some of we, I have such a good heart. Listen to what you're saying. Because if you want to know if there's any jealousy in your heart, listen to your mouth. If you want to know if there's any um, vengeance in your heart, listen to your mouth. If you want to know if there's any um, racism in your heart, listen to your mouth. I don't care if you're joking. I don't care what you think. If it comes out of your mouth, it's somewhere inside of that heart of yours, which means you need to bring it to God. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart. For out of your heart, not your spouses, not your pastors, not your parents, not Jesus, out of your heart flows every issue of your life. And if you don't guard your heart from the, the, listen, don't listen to music that's got raping and cussing and, and, and all that kind of stuff in it. First of all, a friend of mine was so upset because his child that doesn't live with him um, has been listening to that kind of music and he's trying to influence him. And I, when he told me, he said, man, my son listens to music that has rape and murder and all that. And my mind, I thought, who would write a song like that? Who sat down at the piano and thought, eh, rape and murder, da 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 you know? Like, what are they what are they thinking? But you can't listen to it because you say, oh, it's just a song. It's just words. Yes, words create life or death. That's right. You can't watch the wrong movies and expect it not to influence you. What's wrong with some of y'all, the things you watch? Um, I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm doing good on time. Um, there's that show. Um, what's that show, honey, with the, the old barbaric show that we don't watch? The, the, the barbarian show. Everybody's watching nowadays. Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, right? Okay, so we have this thing on our TV called VidAngel, and we pay like $10 a month, and we can watch anything we want to through this app on TV, and you go through and you filter out all the bad stuff. You take out the sex and nudity, clip, you know, and it just, it just skips that part of the show. Take out the cussing, and it skips that part of the show, right? So we went to go watch Game of Thrones. I think it's like an hour-long TV show. Each one's an hour long or 90 minutes. And we took out the bad stuff. The TV show was two minutes long. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> we saw one guy cough and another guy riding a horse. And that was about the whole show. That's a good show. <laughs> Listen, y'all, you wonder, you wonder why the rest of your week is negative. It's because of what you're putting on the inside. Guard your heart from the wrong people, too. 
I don't care what they did for you in the past or how long you've known them. you got to get these things away from you because it influences your family. And then when you're around that person, then you walk into your home with your family, and now you're pouring that same stuff all over your kids and your wife. Um, I have five kids. I have four boys and a girl. And my girl was the last one. And, and we prayed for a little girl, and she was a miracle. We wanted a girl so bad. So we finally had our little girl. And listen, I'm an incredible dad to all my kids and raising four boys, no big deal. Man, I, I took my boys. I, 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 I was the one that woke up in the middle of the night. I changed their diapers. I put them to bed. I took them to work with me before they were in kindergarten. I mean, me and my four boys, we were, you could not separate us. They were always with me, always doing something. So when the little girl came, her mom was so excited. She was very protective over her and didn't want anyone to hold her or babysit her or breathe on her. And that was her little girl, little angel. After about a year or two, I can't remember how long it was, but Salem was a little, little, little girl. Um, I finally said, listen, listen, I can handle all five kids by myself. I'll probably tell you, if I can handle four boys, I can easily take care of four boys and a girl. Go off with your friends, you know, go get your nails, go run some errands, do whatever you got to do. I got this. Are you sure? I promise you, I know how to handle five kids. How hard can that be, you know? So about 30 minutes into it, me and Salem were in her room playing with her little dollhouse. And it was this dollhouse that opened and closed, and it had a little lock on it, you know, and you'd unlock it and open up and play with the dolls. And we were playing with it, and my boys were throwing a ball in the house, or someone's screaming, or someone's got a black eye or something. So I'm running there, what are y'all doing, you know? And I come back in, and Sayla, she's giving me the cue for a baby, you know, the best she can. She's saying, open, like she wants me to open up the dollhouse. And I said, well, where's the key at? I said, where's the key? And she said, eh. <laughs> I said, eh. She said, eh. I said, Sailor, where's the key? The key that goes in the lock. Where's the key? And she said, eh. <laughs> so 30 minutes later, this is about a decade, maybe 11 years ago, we're at South Strand Ambulatory. I got all five kids at the hospital. And about 30 minutes after that, here's a picture of my daughter's x-ray. That is literally a picture of Sayla's x-ray when she was a little, little girl and her daddy took care of her for the first time. Good times, good times. I saw that, I thought, oh no, now I gotta call her mom, you know, and so come to the hospital, we're all there. And so I thought, oh man, my little girl's gonna need surgery, right? First time I take care of her, she's gonna have to have surgery. And the doctor said, she doesn't need surgery. You know what the doctor said will happen within 24 hours? You know why it's gonna come out? Because it went in. When you put the wrong things in, it does not come out as good as it did when it went inside. It always comes out a whole lot worse. And sure enough, it came out and it wasn't pretty at all. And the same thing's going to happen in your life as well. Okay, so last story, last story, last story. That was a good event. I've been waiting for years to use that in some sermon somewhere. In fact, I think I might have made her swallow it just so I could use it one day in a sermon. <laughs> swallow this. Um, okay, so Joshua chapter 6, and he is leading the Israelites um, back to the promised land. Okay, now listen, I want you to picture this, picture this. Moses was their leader 40 years before, right? And they get to the promised land, and 10 negative people talk 2 million negative people out of their dreams, right? The only two that believed was Joshua and Caleb. Out of 2 million people, Joshua and Caleb are still alive. Everyone else is dead. These are their children. Their children are now back at the promised land and Joshua's leading them. I want you to think about this. If you don't overcome things in life, your children are going to have to fight the same battles. 
But if you will overcome what God's got in front of you today, it'll make your children's life so much easier. They'll be able to just walk into the promised land. But because the parents were negative, now the children have to fight the same battle against the same giants. And have you ever thought about who allowed the giants to live in the land that God said was for his people? Who put the giants there, do you think? God put the giants there. Well, why would he do that? Well, number one, so they'd have faith to believe in God to fight through that battle because God promised them victory. But number two is this. God promised them homes that they did not build. God promised them vineyards they did not plant. Now let me ask something. If you were going to move into a house for free that someone else built, would you want to move into a house built by a dwarf or a midget or a, an elf or somebody that's three or four feet? Or would you want to move into a house that was built by somebody that's 12 feet tall? Imagine the, the, the ceilings in a home built by giants. Imagine how big a bed was built by giants. That's the kind of house God wanted to give them in the first place. And now their children are back at the same place. And Jericho was a fortified city. It had this huge wall around it. Jericho was one of the main cities of the promised land. And so it says in Joshua 6.1, Jericho was surrounded with high walls. No one went in, no one went out. It's amazing that this city was so um, 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 luxurious and it was so prosperous, you never had to leave. You could live there your whole life and everything you ever need will be provided in this location. That's how beautiful and amazing it is. But there was a wall there, so how are they going to get in? So God told them this. He said, I want you to march around the city, march around the wall, uh, for seven days, seven times, the seventh day. And on the last day, the last time, you're going to give a big shout. And that's kind of weird for them to think, well, all we got to do is shout, and then everything's going to be taken care of. That's weird. If that was not weird enough, in verse 10, he commanded them this. Do not let a single word proceed out of your mouth, not even a whisper, until the day I tell you to shout. Their entire destiny depended upon this. Shut your mouth. If even one of you opens up your mouth, it will ruin the whole thing. Why do you say that? Because their parents, one of them opened up their mouth and it ruined the whole thing. All, all, one, one of the parents, I'm sure the parents, all the parents said was this. They are giants and we're not strong enough to attack them. Well, two million people dead in the wilderness. All one of them had to say was this. Man, I don't think this wall is going to fall. And then the next one marching would hear that. What did you say? Man, you know what? I've been thinking the same thing. I don't think the wall is going to fall. The next one would say, what? Man, there's dust in my face. Why are we even doing this? I can't believe God. Have you ever heard of a wall falling just because of a shout? You know what? I give up. And they'd be six days into it, and they'd turn around and walk away. If even one of them, one of them, this tells me this. If you just let one person who's negative around you, it can stop your walls from falling in life. You know, behind every wall in life, there's a miracle. I mean, you, you're, you, behind every wall, there's, there's healing or provision or that, that relationship that God does want you to have or, or, or something amazing in life. Behind every wall, there's, there's, that's there. And if you, if you don't either be positive or be quiet, you're going to ruin the whole thing. In verse 20, on the seventh day, the seventh time around, the people gave a loud shout. And the walls of Jericho fell flat. All because they decided to shut their mouth until it was time to shout in life. I'm telling you, if you let the wrong people around you, it'll get inside of your heart. So here's the most important point for the whole series of this. Just guard your heart. I wish you knew how important it was. I wish, I wish you could see in the spirit realm what happens when you watch the wrong things. 
I wish you could see how it corrodes your heart. You know, and, and I'm not picking anybody that smokes, but you know, when you smoke, what it does to your lungs, you see the x-rays and all that. Okay, your heart is more, power, is more important than anything. And when you watch the wrong things or you listen to the wrong music or you let the wrong people around you, it corrodes your heart. And you wonder why you're not seeing um, God's favor in your life. It's not because of God. It's because your heart's not pure. So you're not really believing for the things he wants you to believe for. You're not really meditating on the things he wants you to meditate on. You're not even talking the way he wants you to talk. And your life keeps going in the direction of what you put on the inside. So I encourage you more than anything today. Guard your heart. And never, ever let Satan use your toothbrush. <laughs> Amen.